Get ready to tap into the minds of the founding fathers of SEO. Rocket. Rocket to the next generation of search engine optimization 3.0 with traffic that will put your website into a head-on collision. Decades of combined SEO expertise give their take on the world of SEO. Now, here are the princes of PageRank, the heroes of HTML, the sultans of search, the SEO SEO rock stars. All right, everyone. Welcome to this week's SEO rock stars. This is Chris Boggs. I'm the founder of webtrafficadvisors.com, and I'm joined by our outstanding curator and amazing uh, search marketer, Frank Watson. How goes it today? Pretty good, Matt. Excellent. Uh, we are pre-recording this episode for uh, to be originally aired on May 17, 2016. So uh, for those of you listening live, as per se, we're actually pre-recorded, so we fooled you. But thank, to, thank you to everyone listening to us on iTunes and iHeartRadio. So let's kick it off here with SEO Rockstars. We had some pretty big news in our parts of the world uh, this past week in that uh, one of the things that for a while, uh, and actually for pretty much ever, that we as SEOs have been talking about is title length. So for a page title or even, I guess, an image title, uh, title anything uh, that could display within search results. Um, we've kind of waffled around the 69-character uh, limit. That was the one that was for a long time, uh, I think, really uh, probably the longest tenure. And then we've dropped down, even though uh, the search engines on the desktops have shown around the same for a while, uh, we dropped down to sort of a new standard at 55 because of the mobile cutoff. And now um, the uh, the as the Sem Post reports, Jennifer Slag on May 12, 2016, a new title and description lengths for Google SEO and search results. So she says, if you haven't given your title and description meta tag some love lately, it might be a good thing you procrastinated because, yes, we are, in fact, to 70 characters for the title. Frank, what does this mean? Well, it gives you more real estate, uh, and it gives you uh, more characters, therefore more words that you can use in your messaging. And given that the titles and descriptions are the first way that people are introduced to your website in the search results, uh, it's something that you should be, as a marketer, crafting very intelligently to be able to get a good message and a good call to action across in those I think it's great. And, you know, one of the other things that ties in here is the old uh, idea of keyword prominence uh, as well as keyword density within a specific element, right? So there was a lot of testing over the years. Does a longer title therefore weaken the density of the keyword in the title? So in the case, the example that the SEM Post has in this article is a pretty good uh, title coming in right at 70 characters where payday loans really is the only um, uh, real p- keyword that you can see out of the 70 characters because the rest of the title is, you know, a pipe, which is a line up and down. Online or in stores, pipe, fast approvals, dash, check into cash. So checkintocash.com has this, you know, sample right up here. Um, I don't know if uh, uh, Sempost created this one or if it's actually live, uh, but it's a pretty good use of the title in that it is primarily a click-through rate inducer, I would say. Wouldn't you, Frank? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it does do the one thing that I really am not a big fan of, and that's including the domain name at the end of every uh, yes, uh, title. Uh, good call. <laughs> I is agree. 
the for people that are using uh, particularly WordPress, but Joomla and Drupal do the same yep. sort of thing. And uh, there are ways around it. You know, if you were to use like the Yoast SEO plugin here, and that allows you to overwrite those. And uh, yeah, they once they're at your website, you know, they know who you are. You're better off having the title tag with a little bit more, you know, get fast approvals as opposed to check into cash, you know, uh, because this is a payday loan. It's not a cash checking place. So you, in that case, you know, and even chase.com, which is the example that was used below it, you know, you're looking for banking, you know, credit cards, etc. You're going to realize that it's chase. You don't need to, you're going to see it in the URL below. I don't know. I, yeah, it's a good point. And in fact, I think it's a great little side topic to this subject is, uh, you know, the uh, pending of the brand name on the end. I can, uh, there's a few reasons, like, for example, Chase might want to do it, some would argue, in order to uh, reassure people that this is a legitimate Chase site. And since they've heard of Chase before and all the offline advertising that they do, that may induce some additional clicks, right? Uh, just come from a safety of brand perspective. Yeah. Uh, the I mean, check in the cash yeah. one is you know okay. where I, I would suggest I was kind of confused when I saw it and I agreed with, with you in terms of why put that on the end that could be another you know 15 characters that you could use for call to action or an additional keyword um, you know but some may argue well check into cash wants to try to get that brand but you called out the big uh, sort of uh, fallacy in that, in that it's a payday loan. It's not really turning a check, uh, you know, and I guess you could call it an advance check in the cash. But you were saying, Frank? Yeah, no, it's just the, one of the examples that Jen uses, which is, you know, rather clever, uh, Starbucks towards the bottom, they actually have like their location page this, uh, where they have the address of or the name of the store, First and Pike store, Starbucks coffee, company so i mean in, when you're doing it that way but whatever however you're doing it you want to be a little more intelligent about it you know like you said there are times when you don't need to have it and you can use that real estate to bring in a call to action or if it's your location area this is clever it's something that i'm going to start recommending where you have the address and then your company name so it all ties in and that's all oh, that that's what i want you know that type of thing but in other cases it's and especially with Starbucks Coffee Company, I mean, that's a lot of characters and that's taking up quite a bit of the title tag. So you've really got to think the process through. Well, you know, I mean, if in that case, I would argue that why, why else have anything else there? I mean, obviously, that's a location-based page to help people understand where it's at. Uh, I, I guess, and or, you know, to be able to contact them by phone or, uh, you know, I mean, why else would someone... Really, what else would be useful in that title, I would argue, uh, since it's got First and Pike Store, maybe you could add Seattle uh, versus Starbucks Company. Uh, that could, especially if there ends up being another First and Pike somewhere, but geolocation should pretty much safely avoid that from happening anyway. So let's jump over to the other part, which was that descriptions were updated uh, in terms of the uh, length as well. And um, they've increased by about 16 to 20 characters 
per line. The new description length per line is 100 characters. So it's truncated about the middle. Uh, so uh, of the second line, maybe a middle to, to uh, three-fifths. Uh, so it's uh, 150 to 160 uh, for a usual two-line snippet. Now, uh, Jen, Jennifer does Eventually say that... Eventually, I, I... Go this ahead. One, the reason why they, they still are using that, you know, 150, 160 count, <clears throat> hence the truncation of the second line. But I think once they've got it all together, you'll end up, we'll most probably have 200 characters in there. Maybe or maybe not. I mean, if you think of it aesthetically, it's a long title and then a short URL and then a long first line of the description and a short second line, right? So it almost looks like a nice, neat package there uh, from from my view of one. So, uh, but good, I, it's a good, it's a truth. And then, you know, they uh, she said that there's uh, three line snippets that are occasionally happening, as we know. And those are currently 278 characters, it says per line there, but I think that's a typo uh, in total. So that means that they're going to full 200 and then 78, which is even longer in that third and really almost makes it looks like a little paragraph, I would think. Yeah, and I mean, the, the people that actually enter descriptions that are under 100 characters are only going to get the one line. So, you know, I mean, you've you want to be you want to be playing with this you want to see how it sits with and i haven't had the opportunity yet to see how it sits with site links pushing up against it you know so maybe you do drop the length of your description down to below 100 because you can get you know four or six site links underneath it and it just looks neater uh do they give it more spacing because you're missing a line do they take a little you know is it a little bit more crowded when you get the that extra line so there's, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out once they finally, and if they finally go, okay, the, the, the spinning wheel has stopped and this is what it's going to be. Agreed. So that's a good one to keep an eye on. So as Jennifer said, if you haven't updated them recently, uh, you might never have kind of shortened them and this might be a non-issue for you. Uh, but if you did shorten them and you've got an opportunity to increase some click-through rate, potentially, uh, then go for it. Uh, before we take a break, let's talk about the MediaPost.com article about, this is kind of almost from the Department of the Obvious, Google search queries with commercial intent return more ads in the result. Uh, so as you know, uh, within the last couple months, Google has changed the way that they're displaying search results to now feature up to four ads on the left side, really ultimately pushing down the organic search results in, in many cases, even below the fold, uh, especially if there's an organic, uh, I mean, a local block that gets thrown in there. Uh, so Frank, is this news uh, surprise? As it says, it should come no, to no surprise. Uh, that's what Lori Sullivan says over at Media Post on May 12th. Yeah, no, I mean, we knew the fact that uh, once this rolled out and the fact that Google was adding that, you know, now we have four ads at the top, that the click-through rate on those ads would go up because in the case of mobile, it's pretty much monopolizing the the above fold as it were. And again, there was an article, I think we mentioned it last week where 50% of people or whatever the silly number was, don't even know the difference between the organic and the paid. So, uh, it's not surprising. You add an extra ad in, you take away the, the distractions to the right. People are going to be clicking. 
Yeah, and if you think about it, you know, uh, one of the areas that I think that uh, the paid search folk have been able to argue from a click-through rate perspective is when you get closer to the bottom of the funnel, right, and people are about to buy, often that's when paid search really has an advantage because they can make an offer, they're very timely, uh, people are looking for it, so they're less likely to be in a research mode and scroll down to organic. So, uh, you know, this is certainly, um, I think Google took that partially into account um, when they're moving the searches over. The other thing, by the way, this is uh, based on a Bright Edge study, and um, the, the other thing that you could say that it's, uh, you know, I think obvious to some, uh, but that many people should think about is that it's critical to prioritize efforts that, uh, towards search terms that do still have organic search results above the fold. Uh, and then also to sort of boost the way that you're trying to uh, treat your strategizing of paid search and organic search together. Yeah. And I mean, it, a study like this is very much subjective because being able to, and for that matter, Google, you know, that they're thinking that they can determine very cleanly what commercial intent is to be able to go, okay, then we should return a few more ads when the commercial intent is higher. Now, that's just the way that people actually search. It is, is there a difference then with mobile? Is there a difference also going to be for voice-activated searches that are different? You know, are they going to be able to catch that infliction of, of voice that goes, I'm hungry, I, you know, <laughs> I want to give me restaurants, you know, that type of thing, or give me, I don't know. It's whenever someone does a, a study that uses percentages based on criteria, I always look at the criteria and wonder, okay, how do they determine? those factors you know the confounding variables was something i learned a lot of when i was doing psychology as an undergrad and we have a tendency to have a lot of confounding variables when people are talking about studies in marketing all right well that was uh, confounding i would say frank <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take a break and we're going to be right back with you so stay with us here on seo rock stars We'll be back with more SEO Rockstars right after this. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. 
Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Now, let's get back to jamming and spamming with the SEO Rockstars. And we are back. Thanks for staying with us here on SEO Rockstars. This episode's originally being aired May 17th, 2016. So thanks for joining us uh, then or later and again and again. Our next topic is from Politico.com. And, um, you know, we as SEOs and search marketers should always beware if search is being talked about in Politico. And in this case, as many may guess, it's because the feds are taking a second look at Google search, according to Nancy Scola at Politico on uh, May 11th, 2016. So Federal Trade Commission officials are asking questions again about whether Google has abused its dominance in the internet search market. Um, So tell me, Frank, from this perspective, uh, is this more at the high level a concern of Google paid search advertisers or people that are focused on the SEO or both? I think it's both. And I think a large part of the people that are making complaints may have uh, some justification that uh, Google does seem to have at times their finger on the waiting factor, like on the scale when you're at a store. Because the one example that I've seen recently, which sort of amazes me, is if you do a search for sheets in, in Google, the top three organic listings are for Google Sheets. Now, the average person isn't looking for Google Sheets to wrap around their bed to go to sleep at night. So, yeah, I mean, that just seems like somewhere along the line there was like a heavy hand on the the waiting factors that gave them that result as opposed to some company that actually sells bed sheets. It's an outstanding uh, example, Frank. Um, you know, I just pulled it up and, uh, and got exactly the three that you would suggest. Uh, Google Sheets, create and edit spreadsheets online for free. And then um, that's the about page from Sheets. And then there's two Play Store. Or I know there's the Play Store. And then the iTunes.Apple.com um, version of Google Sheets. So uh, it's a great example. And frankly, this is something that I would suspect uh, Google's either going to have to create a negative ranking, uh, you know, filter for that stuff if they're afraid that's going to be used as an example of the FTC. But I mean, it's possible. Um, I, I don't know. It is possible that they can claim that it was just their algorithm and that their sheets is just so awesome. Uh, but I agree. I mean, you know, yeah. the one thing you got to think about too is look at the volume, and we don't know this, right? We don't know the volume of people that search just the word sheets. Um, I would suggest 
Uh, I don't know. Do you think, you know, if, if we go look at the searches, is sheets a good keyword if I'm targeting I'm, and, and I'm trying to sell sheets and pillowcases? Uh, is it going to be bedding sheets or are people, I mean, well, I, I would, I would suggest probably. From a pay perspective, I, you know, the better the number of qualifiers in there, the, you know. The Bed more, sheets, satin yeah. sheets, sets, et cetera, right? But, yeah, it's just, it just seems a little ex Especially when you add to it, Frank, that they have the number one ad, too, and what I'm looking at above the, the JCPenney and the Boland branch for those types of sheets that people sleep on yeah, uh, so is the Google Open Spreadsheets Online ad. Yeah. So it's uh, – and apparently there are twenty over 27,000 monthly searches locally for sheets and over 40,000 uh, nationally, according so, to – so, so it's fair to say that Google should give a sheet about this article and hope that FTC is not uh, uh, going to be sniffing too deep. Or, uh, you know, I think once again, though, uh, Google may, may be able to not wiggle their way out of this, but some would call it that. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll certainly keep an eye on that. Let's move along to something from Google uh, continuing to make the Web more mobile friendly. So uh, today on um or not today, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say when, uh, March 16th is not today. Uh, on Wednesday, March 16th, uh, Google published something to their blog post about, um, uh, or to their Webmaster Central blog about making the web more mobile friendly. Now, Frank, I believe the reason you bought this up, this thread, is because of the comments. So tell me what's going on here. Well, there's, there's a few things, actually, because one, they, Google actually... Over at uh, Webmaster, uh, well, I keep calling it that, but the Search Console, they've upgraded the uh, mobile-friendly test tool. So that's happened in the last week. But they also, uh, that there's that move also with AMP that's happened just recently. They're implementing the AMP, which is accelerated mobile pages, beyond just the news. They're now starting to use it somewhat in the uh, mobile rankings according to stuff that's going on. So, you know, it's there's a problem with, and there has been in the past, with this mobile-friendly checker because while it may say that you're meeting most of the criteria, you're, it's not having any impact on your, on your search results. You know, you're going, okay, I've done all this to do it, but why isn't my search results improving? Well, that's something that um, obviously they're going to have to show webmasters that, you know, this does have a connection point and it's not just them trying to make the web a, a more beautiful place and at the same time not applying that to uh, somehow being able to improve, uh, you know, your organic positioning because frankly, you know, the SEO is a, a game of, of crossing the T's properly and dotting the I's properly and we want to, or, or at least white hat or even to some degree gray hat SEOs, uh, people that want to clearly abide by the rules that Google puts out, uh, sometimes get caught chasing their tail on something like this if, like you said, it's not going to actually translate to true tangible SEO value. So check out that uh, thread. And see, one interesting in the comments, though, beyond just you know some people having discussions of it, is the number of people that have dropped links into the comments, yeah, you know, with 
with obviously the expectation to think that if I get a link of my website on a Google uh, blog, it may help me rank. Well, yeah. who knows? Based on maybe you should try to get one on the Google Sheets about page since it ranks number one. I mean, it's got some authority. Exactly. <laughs> Let's move along to the next one, the smallbiztrends.com. This is a nice article here around six keyword research tools and tactics you might not have tried. And this is from uh, a longtime contributor to our industry, a true leader uh, and smarty also known as SEO Smarty, uh, and it's in the marketing tips section on smallbiztrends.com from May 11th, 2016. So let's get right into it. And if it's an, if it's an Ant Smarty tool list, I know it's going to be good. So the first one is SERPstat. Uh, it answers research niche questions. So you type in apple pie in this example, and it shows you sort of the top. Uh, it, it, she, she says that she uses it more than Google Keyword Planner. Have you tried this one out, Frank? Yeah, it's not bad. You can do a uh, a short tail keyword, and it's almost like Google Suggest. You know the the drop down of, of uh, the the autofill. So it's giving you terminology that is related to it, so you get an idea of longer tail terms and and things that you can use. So they, it's clever in that regard, and they have a, a few other things inside. But I, I've been playing with this a little, and it, it's it's one that's definitely under the radar, largely. So uh, a good pickup by Anne to uh, share this one with people. Cool. And then uh, we're not going to go through all six one by one here. I'm going to skip over to my blog, You, Expanding Your List Using Human-Powered Research. Uh, by the way, this is one, as and disclaims, a platform that she's founded. It's a crowdsourcing content site that allows groups of people to collaborate for singular pieces of content. To me, this is an, a very interesting way to create unique content for those that might need it for SEO, Frank. Uh, have you tried this tactic before? I know that people have done this sort of in an unaffiliated and loose manner in terms of crowdsourcing a piece of or pieces of content, but has, have you tried my blog you or anything like it? Um, I haven't tried my blog you. Um, Anne's been, has done some good stuff and this is an interesting sort of variation. I actually remember, and I forget, I think Stephen King at one stage started a, a, a novel that he was allowing people to contribute to, you know, yeah. and sort of turned it out. So, and that was at least 10 years ago. Uh, but it's sort of like, you know, you, you write a paragraph, someone else comes along and writes a paragraph or adds something. And then ultimately you've got to have an editor to control what's going on. But, you know, you can, it's sort of like GitHub for, you know, that's the, open source area where people bring in their programming scripts and things like that. This seems to be a, a place where you can start something, get people to bring in their interpretation of stuff, and then anyone can use it. I don't know how you'd go about um, canonical. Controlling the, uh, I wonder how you could control the, the, 
you know, the validity and the actual expertise behind it. Because, like, for example, on the example that's shown here, I'm going to A-B test and then write an article on various ways you can get people to subscribe to your email. Wording is important, so please help me. Other than subscribe and join, what are other calls to action wording that you have seen or can think of, right? So what I'm fearful of here is that there's, you know, these pro jocks that go around on forums all day long every day and then Facebook and so forth and spend amazing amounts of time replying to these kinds of things. I'm wondering where they're getting that data, right? Is it just from their own head, which may or may not be good, right? And, and you know, I'm not going to blanketly dismiss all people that spend a whole lot of time on uh, on forums and on these kinds of, you know, collaborative crowdsourcing kind of things. But I do sometimes wonder uh, if those people have experience or they're just trying to build a sort of an online credibility. Yeah. And, and I mean, a good example of that right now is Cora. There yes. just seems to be so, you know, you what was, and that's the problem. I mean, these sites get created with the best of intentions, but then get hijacked by people with the worst intentions. And sadly, it's people that don't really know what they're doing. They don't understand that you know, there the are no follow tags in there. And they, you know, but I've, I post a bunch of things at Cora, and I have noticed that it does directly drive traffic so you know that's the thing if you drop a link it, you don't have to worry about the actual link as a text link it's more it may grab you some some people clicking on it to check out what it is yep so listen we're uh gonna head to another break one last one that i'll mention on this list which you check out at smallbiztrends.com is the reddit list to track reddit, uh, reddit trends uh you know i think we've talked about brent kasaurus and and uh some of his presentations around the power of reddit uh especially as related to seo so uh that's a little bonus go check it out and make sure you do some research around that and stay with us we'll be right back with you here on seo rockstar We'll be back with more SEO rock stars right after this. Looking for a white label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Now, 
let's get back to jamming and spamming with the SEO rock stars. Donna, Donna. Okay, we are back on SEO Rockstars. Thanks for checking out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash SEO Rockstars, and, of course, the Twitter at SEO Rockstars. So um, our last segment today, we've got some good kind of more technical topics uh, to finish up with. There is a interesting article over at Search Engine Land from May 12th, uh, 2016, by Patrick Stocks. The true value of technical SEO is while many view technical SEO as a simple matter of implementing best practices, columnist Patrick Stocks argues that the best practitioners are doing cutting-edge work that will shape the industry's future. So I think this is very true. Just from a personal perspective, I know that Google does reach out to a lot of people in our community uh, as technical SEO sort of helpers and and people to provide feedback. And this has happened over the years. Uh, I've said it before, and, and I'm sure I'll tell people again. But you know, way back in Google Dance in the in the late 2000s, or I guess it was probably 2008 or nine. I can't remember exactly the year. You know, they were having uh, invitation things where people would come uh, around the time of SES and and literally brainstorm with Matt Cutts and his team around certain things like the canonical tag, for example, right? So it's technical SEOs are certainly identified as being important and and not just sort of uh, check boxers, uh, you know, that check box everything from a best practice perspective. So, Frank, what makes technical SEOs different? Well, I mean... You've covered a, bar, a large part of it, but I mean, a technical SEO is someone that's doing almost forensic, where you know, obviously there's something wrong. You're all of a sudden you're dropping out of the search results, and you go, okay. And certain technical SEO work can be done to check against that. Whether you know, you first thing you go to is your search console to see if you've gotten any sort of manual penalty for something that you weren't aware of doing? Uh, there, was there an update of, of any of the algorithm elements that you should check? So, I mean, there's those sort of things. But a technical SEO is someone that can look in deeper to, like you say, that level of the canonical tag can look at what's going on within your website where there may not look like anything any serious sort of changes happen, but you've reached a tipping point of possibly overusing a particular anchor text or uh, the way that you're just doing your internal linking. Now, there's a bunch of those sort of elements that go beyond just the basics that, like you said, you can, there's a pile of them out there, SEO audit checklists, and you can buy a really good one from Annie Cushing over at Analytics that, you know, is really detailed. But the, the forensic guys are the ones that really go in and, and also get brought in when you're doing a major site migration so that they're aware of all the different things, you know, aware of things like 301 nesting, where you've had a page that was 301 four or five times when you change a product or you whatever, and you're not aware of the fact that it's that deep now. And when you're about to do a migration, the thing, best practices and things like that. So, I mean, there is a lot of difference between technical SEOs and technical SEO work. Excellent point. And I think it was, well, always a good uh, thing to remember. So kudos to Patrick Stocks for his nice uh, sort of editorial on the value of technical SEOs. 
back to the technical SEO space, Google redesigns its structured data testing tool. So on uh, May 16th, 2016, uh, just the day before we're airing this, um, Barry Schwartz reports over at the Search Engine Roundtable that there's going to be a new tool for the structured data testing. So, um, Frank, have you tried this out yet? I I actually, this one I've been using quite a bit. Uh, I started using the Google tool early last week to be able to, and it, it's handy. Basically, you drop your URL in, and if you use schema or RFDA, it'll tell you whether or not you're doing it right. It'll pull it out very cleanly. It'll show you source code on one side. It'll show you, you know, what's being done right or what's being done wrong, uh, which is great. And it shows that they really are moving in that direction. And the whole use of structured data, if this is something that you've heard, but you're not quite familiar with, it's other sorts of tags that you can wrap around your content that gives Google the ability to really know what that content's about. And this is the sort of content that they're using in their knowledge graphs and their answer box. So if you want to try and get your your website into that, if you've got that sort of authoritative information, tag it up and you'll be surprised what will happen. Tag it up, tag it in, let me begin. That's what we'd say, right, as the rock stars. So last this week, this is kind of some bad news. And and honestly, I come across data, seemingly strange data, very often, right? And and it's uh, over the last couple of years, obviously, with not provided uh, coming into play, it, it's very important that you really uh, are able to put a finger on the performance that, that you're achieving within your SEO efforts. <coughs> According to uh, Device Atlas, uh, it released a mobile web intelligence report for Q1 2016 uh, that says that about 48% of the traffic is non-human, so bot traffic, um, uh, ranging from automated scrapers and bots generated by hackers uh, to search engines uh, crawling the index. So what does this tell us? Uh, well, it tells us that we have to be a little bit more careful when we're using the information that we have on our traffic numbers to make decisions because we may it may be watered down by the actions of these bots and crawlers. It's unfortunate, and, and there's there's been some... Uh, recent hacks that have come out and, and methodologies to remove ghost and refer spam, for example, from Google Analytics. Uh, we know that Google itself is uh, implementing sort of internal ways to better uh, protect themselves from this data. But as long as hackers be hackers and, and, and are trying to sort of screw up data uh, from whoever's perspective, they don't care, uh, I think it's going to be something we're going to have to continue to deal with. But as SEOs, we just need to understand that it's there, and also clearly, if we're uh, consultants or agencies, clearly ensure that the, uh, you know, that the client understands that we're we're going to have to compare on a month-over-month basis, and that even that sometimes may have to have an asterisk in it if there's a sample of data that we used to be accidentally measuring, uh, and and that's a bit ink on our face, but at the same time, it's a bit of the the part of playing in this industry. Uh, If you've been measuring data wrong in the past, and you read some stuff around this stuff, and you realize, oh, gosh, 
uh, you know, I better go tell the client. Hopefully that's what you're going to think <laughs> that, hey, the traffic we've been reporting is wrong. Uh, we need to really remove this and now look at this as our baseline uh, for organic search traffic, for example. Yeah, no, I agree. That, and you can, uh, inside your analytics, create filters and things like that to get a clearer picture of, of real versus bot traffic. Um, and before we go, I, I don't know whether you're aware of this, Chris, but uh, over the weekend, the industry lost uh, another person that I had a lot of engagement with over the last 10 years, uh, Patricia Skinner. Oh, that's sad. Uh, succumbed to cancer and, you know, to anyone that's listening that may not have been aware, I'd like to let them know and I pass along my condolences to the family. So on that, sorry, I got distracted. That's sad news. I had not heard as well. We always, we're a tight industry here in the SEO world. So uh, when someone passes, um, you know, it starts to get around. Make sure that you are, um, you know, closely looking at your data that you're getting in analytics and that it's not somehow, um, you know, especially from the SEO perspective, uh, ghost spam, refer spam, those are the main things that we got to look for. Uh, and then the other thing, quick tip there is if you go to HTTPS, you will get more data and better data, theoretically, uh, in Google Analytics as well. So with that, we're going to end this week's Rockstars, and we thank you very much for joining us. Frank, uh, we'll be talking again next week, and I'm looking forward to it, my friend. Yes, sir. I will talk to you then, and uh, hopefully uh, you're uh, down in New York City sometime soon, and we can go out and grab uh, a beer and uh, hang out with Longer than 45 minutes and then like last week. All right, my friend. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time on SEO Rockstars. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 